0: This evening our consideration is Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved And we're looking at Psalm 145 verses 18 and 19 Let's just have a look at those two verses The Lord is nigh or near unto all them that call upon him To all that call upon him in truth he will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. I've got a lot of memories of my time in India. I was in India from 1996 to 2001, five years. A lot of good memories. One of the memories that is really special to me is a uh, time when I was out travelling in India during the long holidays, I I worked in a school and I enjoyed long holidays uh, from the school. (coughs) Whilst I was out travelling and seeing a bit of India, I visited a church and the name of that church is Hebron Church, it's at Golconda, Golconda Crossroads in Andhra Pradesh Its founding pastor, brother Bhakta Singh, was a renowned evangelist, pastor and author. It's worth checking him out, by the way. (coughs) Amazing man, a man of God, brother Bhakta Singh. Anyway, at the time of my visitation, Bhakta Singh was 97 years old and he was near to death. He was soon to go to be with his God and saviour, Jesus Christ. So I went to that church. I didn't know anyone there. I was on my own, and um, I sat on the floor. Uh, that was the—that's what they did in that church. Sat on the floor, and I was just looking around, looking at people, and looking at the the church itself. And as I looked around, I noticed that the whitewashed walls were adorned with the Word of God. I was particularly captivated. By two verses of scripture that I saw on the wall and I've just read them to you they come from Psalm 145 verses 18 and 19 I want to read them again now the Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him to all that call upon him in truth he will fulfill the desire of them that fear him he also will hear their cry and will save them. You, p- you might be thinking, well, that's a lot of words to have on the wall. It was. And it wasn't just there. The, all of the, It was a big church. And uh, the word of God was everywhere on those walls. Uh, lovely, lovely. And uh, those verses uh, really did catch my attention. And I want to consider those two verses with you this evening. I've got a bit of an advantage. I've been thinking about them now for the past, um, what would it be, 19, 20 years perhaps, since I entered that church. And the first thing that I want to share with you from those two verses is that the Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him. God is near to all his creatures By virtue of the fact that he is omnipresent or boundless and the heaven and heaven of heavens cannot contain God. As for the enemies of God, such as the atheists who say in their hearts that there is no God, the Bible calls these people fools, by the way. And then there are those who insist that everything evolved from a big bang. And there are those who refuse to be accountable to God and to have him rule over them. What God's omnipresence means for them is that they cannot hide from him. As it is written in Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 24, Can anyone hide himself in secret places? So I shall not see him, says the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord? When you read verses like that, you see how foolish the atheist is. God is everywhere. We can't hide from God. However, verse 18 is not about the omnipresent God being near to all his creatures rather it speaks of the close communion that exists between god and some of his creatures within a covenantal relationship where god is their father we read there in verse 18 the lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him to all that call call upon him in truth In another of David's psalms, he declared the following about the Lord's nearness to him. He said, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, Even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. As Matthew Henry, the commentator, said, Even the grave cannot separate his body from the love of his Saviour, who will raise it to a glorious body, No outward circumstances can separate him from his Lord. When I was in that church in India, I certainly enjoyed having brotherly fellowship with those dear brothers and sisters in Christ. But most of all, I enjoyed the experience of my Lord speaking to me through the divinely inspired graffiti on those walls. And I really felt a sense of God's presence when I saw the verses on the wall. These two verses here, Psalm 145 verse 18 and 19. Sticking with David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, he wrote words of tremendous comfort and strengthening about the nearness of the Lord in Psalm 23. Verse 4, David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. On many occasions I've shared that verse with Christians and considered that verse with them. I can remember one such occasion back in London about 15 years ago at the hospital bedside of a dear brother in Christ, who was dying of cancer. He had only very recently come to saving faith in Jesus, having recognised that Islam and its prophet could offer him nothing. As we considered that verse, I could hear the overflow of his heart, as he kept saying in a weak and gentle voice, Praise the Lord. What a blessed time of fellowship that dear brother and I had with one another and with our ever-present Lord on that day. Then there was a time just two years ago when I was busy having a heart attack in a hospital emergency department. As I recited Psalm 23 in my mind, the Lord's presence was palpable. The Bible abounds with examples of people who experienced the nearness of the Lord often in the most dire situations such as in the book of Daniel when those three godly men were cast into a fiery furnace because of their refusal to bow down and worship a golden image. We are told that the king looked into the fire and he saw four men loose walking in the midst and the, and the form of the fourth was like the Son of God. The Son of God was in that fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Also at a time when the disciples of Jesus were in a ship in a storm and they thought that they would perish, Jesus was right there with them in that ship. The fact of the matter is that the Lord is always near to his redeemed, those he loved to death on Calvary's cross. He is always near to them when they call on his name. He has said, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world what I would also like to consider with you is, the Lord is near to all who call on him in truth. Verse 18 says that, doesn't it? The Lord is near to all them that call upon him in truth. And also the Bible makes it very clear in Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 29 that the Lord is far from the wicked but he hears the prayers of the righteous. As such, you cannot simply assume that the Lord will be near to you when you call on him, like a genie in a bottle or something. Call upon God and he comes running to you. That's not how it works. There are no doubt many deluded people across the world, including professing Christians who assume that God is near to them however coming back to Psalm 145 verse 18 and reading it alongside Proverbs chapter 15 verse 29 we can see that the Lord is near to all who call upon him in truth and they are the righteous when you put those verses together they call on him in truth And they are the righteous. These are the ones that the Lord is near to. Truth. What is truth? We need to understand this. Truth speaks of purity, sincerity, and honesty. The problem is that we all have a disease of the soul called sin we are all by nature children of wrath with deceitful and desperately wicked hearts you know as well as i do how easy it is to be anything but truthful is that right anything but truthful and that is because we have all lied more times than we can remember Maybe you have lied yourself out of trouble. Or you have flattered someone with a kind but untruthful compliment. Or you have exaggerated when recounting a story. Or you have not been entirely open and honest when completing your tax returns. Or you have embellished your CV. Everyone lies from the least to the greatest and that most certainly includes our politicians who seem to lie every time they move their lips. This whole evil world spins on an axis of lies and deceit and little wonder when you appreciate that the devil is the god of this world and that he is the father of lies. And what do we read here in verse 18? The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, that call upon him in truth. The Lord Jesus Christ, he's different. He's different to the rest of us. He doesn't lie. In fact, not only is Jesus truthful, he is truth. The Bible says that bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterwards his mouth will be filled with gravel. Though that is the experience of us, and many times we've probably had a mouth full of gravel, it can never be said of Jesus, whose lips are like lilies dropping sweet-smelling myrrh, and in his mouth... There is no deceit. Jesus declared himself to be the truth. And the Apostle John described him as being full of grace and truth. Not just grace and truth, but full of grace and truth. Looking at verse 18 again, it is written, The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him in truth. The only way that you and I are ever going to call upon the Lord in truth is if by the grace of God, our call to God proceeds from hearts in which there is repentance and faith in the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way that we will ever call on the Lord in truth. Moving on to verse 19, it is written that such people, or rather, he will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. The fact of the matter is that not only do faith and a godly fear Coexist because we now read that uh, the people of truth are those that fear him. People of truth are people who are trusting in Jesus, the one who is truth. That's the only way we call on God in truth, if we belong to Jesus. And such people fear the Lord, according to verse 19. So faith... And godly fear coexist. In fact, they are inseparable. You can't have one without the other. It doesn't make sense to trust in the one who is full of grace and truth. And to not fear God. I like what the Puritan Thomas Watson said. When the soul looks either to God's holiness or its own sinfulness, it fears But it is a fear mixed with faith in Christ's merits. The soul trembles, yet trusts. Like a ship which lies at anchor, though it shakes with the wind, yet it is fixed at anchor. God, in great wisdom, couples these two graces of faith and fear. Fear preserves seriousness, faith preserves cheerfulness. Fear is as lead to the net to keep a Christian from floating in presumption. And faith is as a cork to the net to keep him sinking in despair. Verse 19 leaves no room for any doubt. If you fear the Lord and you call on him in truth. If you do those two things, you fear the Lord and you call on him in truth. He will hear your cry and he will save you. That's what it says in verse 19. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus speaking a parable to certain people who were trusting in themselves, that they were righteous, people who despised others. Jesus said that there were two men in the temple... One was a religious Jew, a Pharisee who prayed, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes, and so on and so on. There wasn't even a hint of contrition in his words. He had no fear of God. He was puffed up. He was proud. And he was boastful. I think that describes this world. When you read in Luke 18, he wasn't even praying to God. He was praying thus to himself. As for the tax collector the second person in the temple, far from boasting, he would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven. He beat his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. One might reasonably say that he was a man who feared the Lord. God be merciful to me, a sinner. Just a few words, but there's fear in those words. In that short prayer, there was also a confession of sin. There was none of that with the Pharisee, the one who was saying how wonderful he was and how he's not like other people. But with the tax collector, a confession of sin in those words, God be merciful to me. A sinner. His words express faith in God's forgiveness. He didn't, if he didn't have faith that God would forgive, he wouldn't have prayed. He was calling out to God to forgive him. Even though he deserved God's everlasting punishment. Jesus said that the tax collector went home justified. He and not the proud Pharisee was saved from his sins. We see in that parable a man, the tax collector, who called unto the Lord in truth. A man who feared God. A man who went home justified. Justified by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then there were those two crucified thieves. with one either side of the crucified Saviour. One of them said to the other, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. You see already in those words, Dost thou not fear God? In other words, he did fear God the one who said that, he feared God and he said, seeing thou, seeing that thou art in the same condemnation and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. He was acknowledging himself to be a sinner there. <clears throat> but this man have done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus... Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. That man most certainly feared God. He turned to the Lord as a repentant sinner and he received assurance from Jesus of his salvation. looking at these two verses one more time the Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him to all that call upon him in truth we call upon the God of the Bible there are many gods in this world Um, the gods of our imaginations the gods that have been made by men but we call upon the Lord Jehovah God Calling upon Him in truth, that can only be done through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is truth. Trusting in Him for the forgiveness of sins. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear Him. There has to be that fear, just as there has to be faith, there has to be fear. Who fears God? Who fears God? other than the person who has come to God, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He also will hear their cry, and he will save them. God does not hear the cries of the wicked, but he hears the prayers of those who, are, who fear him, the righteous. Righteous. People who are justified through faith in Jesus. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence by all who are about him. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. People mess around with that word fear, by the way, and they tone it down, don't they, and they dilute it. But fear is fear. If you're a Christian, you ought to fear God. Have a very healthy fear of God. May it please the Lord for each one of you to call upon him with a godly fear mingled with faith, That he will save you to the uttermost through faith in his dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is the truth. Amen.